0: The official podcast of Fender Bender magazine, helping collision repair shop owners make money, save money, and work smarter. I'm Fender Bender editor Todd Kortemeyer. In this episode, I'm joined once again by industry expert Chris Maimoni, and we'll be discussing the importance of researching repair procedures, particularly in regards to OEMs and calibrations. Chris will walk through an example that is illustrative of the importance of checking these procedures and also offer some tips on how to access resources to make sure repairs are done properly and safely. For more from Chris, head to his website chrismemoni.com and check out his earlier appearances on Collision Cast wherever you access your podcasts. And now, here's our conversation. Hello, everyone. Once again. Lucky enough to be joined here by Chris Maimoni and today we're going to be going over um, some really important topics um, as far as researching repair procedures, um, specifically as it applies to calibrations. And um, Chris, we were talking just before um, we uh, started recording here, but, um, you know, why is this so important? Why is it becoming more prevalent? And, you know, what are some things, you know, right off the bat here that, that people really need to know?
1: Uh, Todd, thank you again for having me on your uh, podcast. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, this this information in this podcast, I believe, will be very uh, relevant for a lot of you is because, you know, technology, technology has changed. You know, back when my parents owned DeMarco's Collision Centers and I ran production at their biggest location... Um, you know, from 2010 to 2014, there wasn't a lot of calibrations that were needed on many simple things like disconnecting a battery. And I'll go more in depth on that uh, as podcast goes on. But as times have changed, um, you know, especially with Tesla coming into the, you know, into the mix and what they require for their calibrations on, and the sophistication of their vehicles. Um, a lot of the OEMs have followed suit, you know, with the upgrades and their um, steel, the, the their steels and their repair methods, you know, everything is changing for the better, you know, just like uh, planes, and uh, aerospace are, are changing, and you know everything's upgrading to make things safer, to make things um, more um, useful. To uh, where it will crash the same if you're uh, crash like it's supposed to if you're dealing with a vehicle, uh, where it'll perform to its highest standard. And um, it's important for everyone to realize that there's also resources out there that are free that you can use to your disposal without having to buy a subscription. And that's important because, um, you know, education is very valuable and I just feel that this podcast out of probably all of mine that I've done so far with Vendor Bender, I think you will get the most value of.
0: So let's dive right into it. You mentioned that you had an example to share. Um, You know, maybe could we walk through, um, you know, one of the procedures that you're talking about and, you know, sort of, you know, um, touch on that point?
1: Okay. So, like I said, back in, you know, 2014, you know, when a battery got, you know, battery dies while it's in production, the car's in production, you know, I can pretty much guarantee a lot of us are guilty where the car dies, we we jump the vehicle and we move it to the next stage of repair. And if, if we're going to clear the DTCs or clear the internal codes off the car, we'll do that. But we don't probably think about what other calibrations might be needed because of the battery being disconnected at that point, but like I said, has have, have since things have changed uh, from 2014 to 2023. You know, a lot of OEMs like Toyo- Toyota have required uh, certain procedures to be done for for just having a battery being being dislocated and reconnected. So an example is on a 2021 Camry. If you disconnect the battery and then reconnect it, the database, if you log into their TIS database and type in 21 Camry, you will see that it requires you to perform several procedures like perform the steering, perform the steering sensor sensor zero point calibration to memorize the steering angle neutral point. It affects four different areas of the vehicle. I'll just name two, lane tracing assist or pre-collision system. Again, these those different things that they're affected by are based on the VIN number. But the beauty about Toyota is that you can, if you do get a subscription, if you can get a 24-hour subscription or a yearly subscription, you can actually decode the VIN and you can see, you know, what features the car has. So if it has pre-collision, you then know that that th- these calibrations are needed. You can charge for these you know, with the insurance company. But besides that point, if we don't do these procedures of performing the steering uh, sensor, excuse me, steering sensor zero point calibration and memorize steering angle neutral point, these safety features will not work like they're supposed to. And that will create problems as the car goes on the road and the car won't react the way it's supposed to, just like if we don't follow repair instructions on, you know, putting a rail, a rear rail on a vehicle, the crash, the car will not crash the same. So I just want to lay out a basic example of just disconnecting a 12-volt battery and the importance of looking up information for this given um, procedure that you did do.
0: So that's a great example. And uh, there's obviously, you know, countless others like it. You touched on the resources, um, you know, the, the OEM resources are out there, obviously for subscriptions. Um, you know, w- what are some of the other resources that are out there, you know, for people um, w- when they're thinking about these kinds of things?
1: Okay. So I'm pretty sure 90% of most uh, collision centers have um, subscription to ICAR. They probably have an ICAR ID number. You can go to icar.com and you can, on their main page, which is free, you don't even need, um, you know, a subscription for it. You can go into their RTS. It's on the main page and you'll see it in the middle of the page. It's, it's, It's labeled RTS, which means repairability technical support. You click on it, and then you can, there's a little button that says, ask ICAR. You input your uh, ICAR ID number, you input the information to the vehicle, and then you submit your question. A lot of times they will give you the information um, right away, or they, uh, depending on the copyrights, let's say, for example, from Mercedes-Benz, or BMW, they will be unable to get you that information, but they state that uh, they kind of will give you guidance if you do get a 24 a hour subscription where to find that information. Um, they will also, you know, on their website, they have what's called um, OEM information. And when you go onto that website, uh, go into there, it has all different OEMs from Acura to BMW to Fiat, to Ford, to Honda. For Honda, for example, they have free information on position statements. And uh, position statements like uh, pre, uh, post calibration diagnosis, scan and calibration, um, just to name that particular one. Um, installation of, of aftermarket parts. These are position statements that you can use when you're talking to an insurance partner. You know, this is very important for all of us to know. These resources are available. Um, also, you can go on YouTube. Mike Anderson from Collision Advice has free uh, webinars on how to navigate through Toyota's TIS. He also has one on Subaru and he gives you how to actually walk through the website. If you do, uh, you know, you can do a 24 hour subscription, you know, or whatever kind of um, packages they do offer. But, you know, ladies and gentlemen, this is important for us to know, um, you know, back when I was with uh, service King from 2000. 14 to 2018, uh, they strictly used uh, all data. And there's nothing wrong with using all data, but, you know, all data, the information they have is. Probably not the most up to date information out there uh, versus getting the information from the OEM. So what I always would do and I would recommend to all of you, is when you submit uh, a library request, you ask them, I want the current OEM information for replacing the rear body panel on a BMW. But the the one thing that with um, all data that you need to be aware of versus an OEM database, is that for example for uh toyota for bmw they'll have uh, hyperlinks hyperlinks go further into the repair instruction so an example uh would be uh for toyota they may have a hyperlink uh regarding um, if you are working on a rail and it has a hyperlink near the 12 fold battery and then you click on it, it'll go further into that information. That's a basic uh, example, but if you're dealing with like, let's say replacing a quarter panel uh, and it talks on a BMW and it talks about the. Um, you know, particular kind of. Uh, material you need to use when replacing that quarter panel if you don't know about these hyperlinks you're not going to be able to do the repair instruction correctly so you know um just a word of advice if you do use all data again there's nothing wrong with it but the information is not as current as the is using an oem database but again when you're doing the library request ask for the most current oem procedures and then ask for all hyperlinks uh, available for that given repair instruction. So that I think would be very, very valuable for you guys to know.
0: One of the other things that I anticipate must be a challenge is that these uh, procedures must change, you know, Fairly frequently and at irregular intervals. You know, what are some ways that people can make sure that? Um, is it you know just as simple as as checking regularly? Is you know uh, what are what are some ways that people can stay on top of that?
1: Well, you yeah, know, I'm pretty sure we're all guilty that you know we think that you know we've replaced uh, a lot of texts. Will say we replaced. I've replaced a quarter panel, of nice sleep, you know, dozens of times, but we have to remember. You know, while we're asleep, maybe in Germany or Japan, they did a crash test on one of their vehicles and they found that uh, a certain part of the car didn't crash correctly. So they update the repair instruction, they add, you know, certain things to it, they add procedures to it. And you're not going to know that information until you look up that uh, piece of data. And That is so I what I would always what I would recommend is. When you're gonna start doing your repair planning, you you look up the current information. um, At the time it's available, because also when you're if you're, let's say in the state of California. The uh, Bureau of Automotive Repair is going to look at. If let's say, you know, a year from now, the car, you know, has an issue and they go to the body shop, they're going to look at when you looked up that repair instruction, what the information, what that was provided at that time versus now. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are involved, but the biggest thing is we want to make sure that we have the most current information. Because, you know, repair techniques change, you know, with Honda, they have MIG brazing. Uh, You know, there's a lot of different procedures for every OEM that um, require different things. And we're not going to know that unless we look up the information. And, um, you know, like, you know, a lot of you have heard on my podcast that, um, you know, I've had a lot of spinal surgeries. So if my neurosurgeon didn't you know do his research and his you know learning on education on what's now accepted on how to do a spinal surgery he may do an incorrect spine surgery to me if he's using old methods and i might not be here today if he had gone with that approach so you know, use that kind of example when you're working on cars because if we use old techniques, possibly the car might not crash the same, and those customers may not be able to walk. They may not walk away from the collision.
0: So so far we've talked about um, you know accessing, researching, repair procedures. Uh, what can you say about training as regards to um, you know live training, getting? you know, um, that really hands on experience um, so that that becomes you know, kind of second nature.
1: You know, in today's world, a lot of training is via PowerPoint. I remember when we first started when service scheme first started with Tesla. And we had a representative from Tesla uh, show us how to disconnect the fireman's loop on the vehicle. This wasn't a live training. This was via PowerPoint. We didn't go to Fremont, California. You know, this was all in a classroom. But if you're doing, let's say BMW training or car liner training, it's in person. And that is very important. And also depending on how you learn, people will learn better when it's hands on and they obtain the information better when they're touching it, they're feeling it, versus watching a PowerPoint where their eyes are glazed over and they're not taking the information in, you know, as they should. But if they're standing in front of the vehicle, they can ask questions, the instructor can go through it with them, and then they're gonna attain the information more when they get into their shops, and they can see the example and they can remember it when they're working on the car. So I would always recommend if. You know you're going to do training, you know, always go after hands on training because that's the most will have the most value and will will make sure that your estimators or technicians are uh, doing the cars correctly. And uh, they're obtaining the most current information available.
0: Chris, any final thoughts on this topic? Any uh, lasting advice? You
1: know, the biggest advice I could give you uh, give everyone is you know we want to repair the, repair the cars correctly uh, because we want customers to be able to walk away from the accident and just put yourself in the customers' shoes. And if we do that, I can guarantee you, your your mindset will be different when you're uh, in that chair doing the day-to-day. So, you know, just um, have that mindset and I can guarantee you with the advice I gave you with iCar, with YouTube, with just basic examples like disconnecting a a 12 volt battery, the most basic of all examples. um, I believe this will help you going forward. And um, you know, I really appreciate your time.
0: We appreciate yours as well. If you want to hear more from Chris, uh, he has a website, chrismaymoni.com, M A I M O N E, chrismaymoni.com. And I'm sure we'll be talking to him again soon on Collision Cast. Chris, thanks again for joining us.
1: Thank you so much.